0: Welcome to Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast, presented by First Federal. It's Wednesday, September 7th, and I'm Blair. McCoy. Great weekend of college football in our corner of the world Saturday. At 11 a.m., Missouri visits Kansas State in the first meeting between old Big 8 rivals since 2011. At 5 p.m., Kansas hits the road and plays at West Virginia. So on today's show, we discuss both games. Beat writer Calis Robinette breaks down Tigers Wildcats from a K-State perspective, and I take the Missouri side of things. We spend a lot of time discussing Luther Burden in the third and how Kansas State can slow down Missouri's star freshman wide receiver. After a break, Gary Bedore discusses Jayhawks Mountaineers. It's the first Big 12 game of the year, and believe it or not, KU enters the game with some confidence. They're a double-digit underdog, but feeling good about where things stand. Okay, let's get started. Kellis Robinette joins us. Got a big game this weekend, Kellis. Your Kansas State Wildcats against my Missouri Tigers. Um, So you and I will be sitting in the press box together, maybe for the first time in a couple years. Anyway, I haven't been. I didn't go to a K State game last year, and uh, and then you know with COVID, uh, I didn't go. So anyway, it'll be great to see you this weekend, and, and it's a it's a really good game um, just based on how the teams performed in the opener, and it's a measuring stick game as far as I'm concerned. How do you, how do you look at Kansas State, Missouri? That's
1: a, that's a great way to put it. It's the first real test for both teams. Missouri looked great in their opener, but they were playing Louisiana Tech, so you never know exactly how much stock to put in that. Kansas State looked pretty good in its opener, but it was playing South Dakota, so you don't know exactly how much to put into that, so... Uh, This week, we'll get a few more answers. And uh, what better way to do it than an old school Big 8, not even Big 12, Big 8 brawl that we haven't seen since 2011. And it's kind of funny to think about. um, It it hasn't been all that long since these teams have played, but so much has changed. That Think about this. Colin Klein, the last time they played, was Kansas State's quarterback. Now he's the offensive coordinator. How about that?
0: That is pretty cool. So I was telling somebody the other day that – it, the the last time Kansas State and Missouri played, there was no streetcar in Kansas City. Uh, that hadn't started yet. Um, we, you know, it, they they're not only old Big Eight foes; they're old Big Seven, Big Six, and Missouri Valley Intercollegiate Athletic Association foes. They had been in the same conference from 1913 until 2011, and that's when Missouri, of course, left for the SEC. And one thing I I, I wonder about is you know the SEC widely regarded and, and has all the you know has all the stats to back it up as the best conference in college football, it wins the national championships, plays for all the national championships. So there's obviously a, a, a different level of play in that conference ver, you know, as opposed to all the other conferences, you know NFL draft picks, you name it. Um, so will that show up on Saturday? will that Will we see that? Will we see a different level of, of athlete at, uh, you know, at Missouri when it takes the field against Kansas State? I've got my thoughts on that, but I, I want to know what you think.
1: Um, I don't necessarily think so. I, I don't think when you look out there you'll say, well, one team is from the SEC and one team is from the Big 12. Um, I mean, credit to Missouri's coach. He's found a way to bring in some super talented guys. He's uh, – uh, I mean, I, I've been impressed with the number of five and four-star guys he's been able to say, come to Columbia, and they've done it. Um, but at the same time, uh, their talent level isn't that much higher than Kansas State's, if it's higher at all. Um, I think Kansas State has done a great job of that. Uh, – they're finding guys like – I mean, like, like Deuce Vaughn is a great example. He was not a highly rated guy coming out of, out of high school. Nobody really wanted him. I mean, people wanted him. Arkansas and Kansas State both really wanted him. But it wasn't – you know, he wasn't a five-star guy, wasn't even a four-star guy. But now he's, you know, in the conversation for the Heisman Trophy, stuff like that. So that would be the difference. I think Missouri maybe has guys who are higher regarded at a high school. Kansas State has guys who are higher regarded actually in college. Um, I, I I do think maybe maybe Missouri has a little bit more speed, um, and that's why they were able against Louisiana Tech, just to kind of have those runs where they go to the outside, beat a guy. Nothing too complicated. They just get downfield and, and, uh, and score. Um, Kansas State maybe re- re- Relies a little bit more on you know strategy and things like that, um, but I, I think Missouri's still not quite far enough removed from the Big Twelve to totally say, oh, they're a they're a, what you would call a vintage SEC team. I, I still think of them as more Big Twelve. I I'm silly in that way.
0: Well, and we've got some recent results to to look at. I mean, the bowl game last year for Kansas State, even though LSU was without a quarterback, that basically had a wide receiver playing the position they still had great athletes on their side and and Kansas State uh, doubled the score on them in that mm-hmm. in the bowl game and i you know i go back to they also won when they played Mississippi State last that's so right so they, they they split the series with the recent series with Mississippi State right both winning on each other's on each other's turf um missouri's played five big 12 opponents since leaving the sec and they're two and three in those games, they split bowl games with Oklahoma state split a regular season series with West Virginia and lost to Texas in a bowl game. So I agree, Kellis. I, I think there might be a player like Luther bird in the third, the wide res- the freshman wide receiver. He was terrific. I mean, he's the kind of player. Yeah. And he's the kind of player you might see at at Alabama or Georgia and he's suiting up for Missouri. So you know Missouri's gonna get that guy you know back in the beginning of their SEC period they got Doriel Green Beckham the wide receiver who was the, the nation's top recruit and that's not the kind of guy you see showing up on the you know on Kansas State's roster but um but when it comes to just matching up on the field I don't think there is a I don't think there's an athlete a big athlete advantage for Missouri in this game.
1: I agree. Certainly nothing like you would see if it was say, oh, Alabama, Kansas State, or something like that. Um, but that is a good point. That that burden receiver is terrific. And, yeah, he, he's a guy who could play pretty much anywhere he wanted. Um, and it's funny, we were talking about uh, Kansas State's recent success against SEC schools. Yeah, they beat LSU. Yeah, they beat Mississippi State. I was looking at some other teams they played and thinking, hey, they've had a pretty good run here against SEC teams until I remembered um, they lost to,
0: to Vanderbilt. You know. <laughs> That's right. Well, Missouri's lost to Vanderbilt, too, over <laughs> the <laughs> it's still similar that's right the, i'll tell you the series i remember is the auburn series with uh, uh, with, with k-state now that, that we're talking about a long time ago of course um, but that was also remember the game at uh, at manhattan where kansas state would have either gone ahead or tied it late but the ball went off of lockett's shoulder pad in the in the end zone for to, for an interception I can't remember the year of that game but I just I remember thinking you know that's a, that's an Auburn team that he either, had either recently played for the national championship or was about to and Kansas went toe-to-toe with him in that game that night in Manhattan so
1: yeah that was a good game and uh it it's kind of crazy to think about how they lost that Tyler Lockett of all people can't hold on to a touchdown pass turns into an interception and Kansas State special teams, which has been their bread and butter for years, they missed. I want to say three field goals. Right, maybe it was right. just two, but yeah, lose a close game, and for those things to go against them, um, man, yeah, that 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 was a bitter one for that team.
0: Well, I covered Missouri's opener last week against Louisiana Tech, and of course, that's a you know it's an FBS program in in Conference USA, but it was a program that was breaking in a new coach, uh, Sonny Cumby, a name familiar to Big Twelve followers. Uh, Cumbie, of course was a quarterback at Texas Tech learned the air raid offense under uh, under Mike Leach so they they're bringing in a new breaking in a new offense against Missouri and did not have the athletes that Missouri had Missouri wins this game 52-24 even though they committed two turnovers in the red zone they didn't pick up on three occasions either third and one third and two fourth and one and they didn't pick up a first down so these are the kinds of things that Eli Drinkwitz really harped on in his midweek press conference uh entering Kansas state and he's right i mean these these were things that you, if it happens to Kansas state they they totally get exposed but they did show some terrific athleticism on defense especially from newcomers like linebacker Tyron Hopper the transfer from Florida Joseph Charleston the safety from Clemson returned a pick six uh so had a touchdown there and that ball was deflected by an Oregon transfer who's on the on the defensive line so Got great contributions from defensive newcomers. Got a decent game from Brady Cook, who in his, his first regular season start for the Tigers at quarterback. Running game probably needs to to be a, a work in progress. Wide receivers are very good, and we circle back to Luther Burden the third. There is nobody on the K State roster like Luther Burden the third. So, what does Kansas State do to try to slow this guy down? He lined, up at, he lined up at wide receiver, at slot, at running back, and he reminded me a little bit of Tyreek Hill, the way Missouri was trying to get him the ball in this game. Now, he didn't have huge numbers, but every time he touched the ball, it was electric. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's, he's going to be the person that whenever he's on the field, Kansas State players are yelling out his number, make sure you're on this guy. And um, I can tell you at, at Kansas State's midweek press conference, a lot of times when you ask pe- opposing players about um, – you ask them about other players on other teams. A lot of times they don't they don't know them by name. They know my number or know a little bit about their background, but can't really call them out. But everybody knew who Burden was, which I thought was was uh, telling, considering he's only played the one game, to, one <laughs> in college, college. Right? They were they were talking to him like, I mean, they were talking about him like uh, when Kansas State was getting ready to play Christian McCaffrey in Stanford a few years ago. That was like that much respect. We got to be on this guy. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Um, And it'll be an interesting thing just because Kansas State wasn't – I mean, they were great against the run um, against uh, South Dakota. And, I mean, they didn't allow any – they're great against everything. They didn't allow any pass, uh, any points. So you can't, you know, complain too much about it. But South Dakota did did have some people open. They had some critical drops. If they hold on on to some more passes, um, their stat line looks much better than it did. So you know, if Kansas State's letting a burden run free on them, that's going to be an issue. Um, but Kansas State, with their new three-three-five that they implemented last year, just has a lot of uh, ways, different ways they can uh, they can go zone, they can go man, they can keep keep uh, eyes on a special player here or there if they want to. So I'm sure they'll you know drop some extra people back into coverage and just make sure they have got eyes on. It.
0: Yeah, it is such a unique alignment. Eli Drinkwitz talked about that this week too. They don't see many three-three-fives uh during a year and the uh one one thing that uh, another area where missouri needed to improve on even even with its lopsided victory was you know burden was great with the ball in his hands but there were a couple of pass attempts to him deep pass attempts that did not connect and looked like cook brady cook may have underthrown one but but burden seemed to get his hands on one and and couldn't haul it in so they've you know when When Luther Burden is lining up in the backfield or at slot, I think a lot of people will now start to know he's getting the ball and you can defend that. So when he's a, when he's a pass catcher, when he's lined up wide, then that, that, that that gives Missouri a threat on offense that uh, that you've got to respect, certainly him on the outside and they have so many good other wide receivers. Uh, I, I think we're going to see Missouri try to air it out on, on Saturday against the Wildcats. Hey, I wanna ask you about the play of Adrian Martinez. And speaking of numbers that weren't impressive, Adrian Martinez in his first game for Kansas State was what, 53 yards passing, Um, had a nice run. I saw a nice little scramble, Uh, but overall, what's what's the story on his opening game for, for Kansas State?
1: I mean, I would describe it in one word as underwhelming. Um, anybody who saw him in Nebraska making all these, you know, highlight plays, putting up over 10,000 yards, um, trying to carry Nebraska on his back. Anybody who was expecting him to be like a highlight show in this game was uh, very, very disappointed. And I'm not saying that like, that that's a reason to, you know, stop believing in the guy or that he can't be a good quarterback moving forward, but he was just um, amazingly cautious in this game um, and there were a lot of times when when Kansas State gave him really good protection he had eight nine maybe even ten seconds in the pocket to throw the ball I went back and watched one replay uh, watch I think they had four receiving threats on the play and he looked at all four of them two times before deciding I'm just going to dump this off you know for maybe a two-yard gain here um, which may, perhaps that's commendable you're winning you know you're winning a game 34 nothing. you don't want to turn the ball over. You don't want to make, make any mistake, any mistakes. I get that. Um, but he looked to me, he just kind of out of his elements a little bit. He seemed like he didn't want to be forcing anything to the point where even if it was open, he wasn't going to throw. We only saw him take one, one deep pass all night. And that's how you end up with uh, 15 passing attempts for 53 yards. Um, so, you know, anybody expecting him to come in and, and be an upgrade on Skylar Thompson, or at least a big upgrade on Skyler Thompson probably at this point needs to be rethinking that. Um, But at the same time, it was just one game. Maybe they were trying to hide stuff. They didn't want to give Missouri anything to look at. And he comes out in week two and has like 500 yards. I don't know. I wouldn't say that's impossible, but week one, he was very, you know, very cautious. He, he looked to me like a guy who was going out there playing not to lose more than playing to win.
0: Yeah. Very vanilla flavor to the game, his game. Against South Dakota, I, I thought, and he took that sack too. That you know, he d- didn't see the safety coming from the blind side, and uh, and mm-hmm. I re- I bring that up because uh, Missouri's Brady Cook had a really nice elusive move to avoid a sack on uh, against Louisiana Tech, and I just I just thought, man, it's, that's a play that shouldn't have happened, and and one that uh, I think you wrote that Kansas State wish they had back. Obviously, they wish they had it back. So. Um, yeah, and it was on a fourth and ten of all things. So I
1: don't know. Just just a weird play. Nobody saw it. Left tackle didn't stop him, receivers didn't stop him. Running back was nowhere to be found, and Martinez just let him whack
0: him. So I
1: yeah, I don't know. That was a that was a bizarre play.
0: All right. So a loss by if Missouri loses this game, which the odds makers say they will, um, uh, maybe by two scores it's I think I saw eight and a half you've seen it as high as nine and a half and as low as in the sevens for uh for Kansas State as a favorite in this game um I, I don't I don't think it crushes Missouri's season the, the expectation for the Tigers they were picked to finish six out of seven in the SEC East I've been saying if they can just become bold eligible this year it will uh it will have been a an accomplishment and and that way you get your starting quarterback at years of experience. And then they, you raise the bar next year, but for Kansas state, if they lost, you know, their biggest non-conference game, which is at home, does it change the, it doesn't change season objectives, but does it, does it alter the way you might look at the, you know, the, the upside for this program this season?
1: I mean, I do. Um, I think if, any fan who's dreaming about nine or 10 wins from this team, which uh, I guess includes me because I predicted them to win nine games in my preseason, uh, my preseason story. Um, I think that kind of goes out the window. If they lose this game, they need to get this one if they want to have a special season. And, you know, that's not to say that they couldn't still have a winning big Twelve record or do some good things there, but I just, just how many times have you seen a Kansas state team lose in the, in the non-conference and go on to be, you know, a ranked team or do something great. Um, Really the only time I can think of is like we were talking earlier, when they lost to Auburn in that game, um, they, they, they figured some things out afterwards. Tyler Lockett was a target magnet after that, didn't drop any more passes and they went on to, you know, be a ranked team and playing the Alamo bowl. Um, But I, I think that it would just be harder for this, for this team to do that. Missouri's not as good as Auburn was that year. Um, you get them at home in front of the biggest crowd Kansas state's going to have in a few years. This is a game they really need to win. And, you know, is, is it a season killer if they lose it? No, but I, I do think it takes a lot of uh, possible perks off the table if, if they don't win. it.
0: You mentioned the, the atmosphere, it's going to be the best atmosphere that Missouri will play in short of I'm trying to think of where their road games are this year. Um, uh, they, they go to is it georgia Do they go to georgia this year? i can't remember you know the, the top level sec places are obviously incredible atmospheres but they're not gonna you know once you once you get below um you know lsu at night and you know any game at georgia or alabama auburn th- th- there's you know just maybe tennessee when they're rolling and have a hundred thousand there they're not going to be in a more hostile environment uh in a louder stadium than bill snyder family stadium on on, on Saturday, and Drinkwitz alluded to that as well. And, and the Kansas State players know it. It's even Drinkwitz even mentioned this when he was referring to Luther Bird, and said it's one thing to have fifty thousand fans cheer for you, which is what happened in the uh, in, in the opener for the Tigers, but they're going to have 50,000 50, fans cheering against him this you know this weekend, and that's just a, a, to- a totally different experience. Okay, Kellis, as we wind it down, I, I did. I didn't want to let this conversation pass without mentioning um, how badly I felt for. Help me with the pronunciation of the last name, but Taylor Port, Portier or Portier. Yeah, you got it. You and I got to talk with him at the Cat Packers uh, mm-hmm. uh, program over in uh, Lenexa this summer, yes. and he was so happy to, you know, having missed last season, he could not wait to get back on the field this year and. Uh, he just was a, a friendly, affable person, and I was I was happy for him. And you know, we were all kind of just couldn't wait to see him play again. And then the opener comes, and was it the second quarter that uh, that he, he he suffered a season-ending injury for the second year in a row?
1: Yeah, he he worked uh, worked for an entire year to to rehab his knee and get back in a place where he could be the starting right guard for Kansas State this season. Supposed to be a great comeback story. Um, everybody said he could potentially be their best offensive lineman. A lot of talent, a lot of speed, a lot of strength. Just a good guy like you're talking about. Um, doesn't even make it 30 minutes into the next season before, unfortunately, regrettably, he goes down with an injury, and they find out he tore his ACL again. So, um, man, a tough break, especially because at the time I didn't think that's what it was. He, uh, he got up under his own power um he did walk in the locker room but again it wasn't on a cart or anything like that he was walking by himself I was hopeful it would only be some kind of sprain nothing too serious he could come back in a game or two but unfortunately um I just uh, like Chris Kleiman just called it cruel I thought that was a good word yeah. he's gonna miss basically back-to-back seasons and um man one ACL is hard enough to come back from if he wants to to keep playing and now have to do it again so, but best of luck to him, whatever he decides to do.
0: And he's a Kansas City kid, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Bishop Meage. Yeah, played at Bishop Meage. So, all right, Kellis. The final thought is going to be uh, we're going to tap into your uh, betting expertise. Let's just say, let's just say it's an eight and a half point spread, Kansas State favorite over Missouri. Um, who you got uh, at,
1: at that number? I think I like Missouri to cover. Um, I just think this will be a closer game than than than, a, than that number realizes. Just talking to Kansas State players about how how much they you know they want this to be a rivalry, um, even though they are not the same conference anymore, they don't play. Um, I think they're going to be fired up. I think Missouri's going to be fired up. And the interesting thing to me is that um, both both teams' strengths kind of play into each other's weaknesses. Like
0: last week, what, what was the number? Missouri loud. What like eleven rushing yards? Eight eight yards rushing and um, <laughs> <laughs> but but they gave up three long touchdown passes. But that doesn't play into K State exactly life.
1: exactly. So-, so Kansas State runs for two hundred ninety seven yards last week. They're going up against a team that uh, only allowed eight, like you <laughs> said. So very much more difficult competition here. Missouri's got some dudes on the defensive line. I would be very surprised if Kansas State uh, approaches three hundred rushing yards in this game. So. For the Wildcats to win, Martinez, I think, is going to have to throw at least a little bit. Um, and, you know, it's going to take more than 53 yards to do that. And flip side, kind of same deal. Um, you know, Missouri's offense kind of plays into some situations like they can throw the ball where Kansas State hasn't been totally tested yet. So maybe if they hit there, it's a closer game. I just think when you factor all those things in, it's more of a six or seven point game than a, a two score game.
0: One thing that worries Missouri is they gave up a 45 yard punt return last week. And Kansas, everybody in the country is so well aware of Kansas state's special teams uh, ability. So that's maybe look for something in the, you know, a special, a big special teams moment in the game. And the other thing I think about is Missouri scored 52 points. Now one was a, a defensive touchdown, but so the offense gets 45 points. And yet they did have two red zone turnovers and, um, and, and and got stuffed on a, on a couple of you know third and fourth and short situations. So I think there's a lot of potential in this Missouri offense I don't think they went on the road but I believe this is going to end up being a one score game and that and, and that that suggests I like Missouri with uh, you know against the spread in this game so Kellis, yeah. great conversation buddy I appreciate it. look forward to seeing you on Saturday yeah all right party in the press box drinks around me. At least the ice cream. I'm really looking forward to that. (laughs) (laughs) Go to kansascity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Gary Bedour is here It covers KU, and we're going to talk about the Jayhawks game Saturday at West Virginia. Gary Kansas has been 1-0 and before in the last decade or so, but they don't often get to 2-0, and and uh, and they don't often get to 1-0 and in Big 12 play. There looks to be some opportunity for the Jayhawks this week if they can take an effort similar to the one that they had against uh, Tennessee Tech to Morgantown.
2: Yeah, it's weird when you look at, Does KU have a shot or do they not? Um, Because when you look at the opponent, like Roy Williams used to say, there's two teams playing this game. Uh, West Virginia has won 18 straight home openers. So, you know, that's quite a few. (coughs) Kansas, I don't think, has won two in a row since Mangino. We go back to those two Mangino years at the end. Yeah, <laughs> but um you know West Virginia also hasn't been 0-2 since 1979. Wow. So it's either time for them to do all these things, you know, nothing can last forever, or uh West Virginia will just win. So I think KU had a great opener, uh Perfect opponent for KU and a team that's rebuilding and trying to get confidence. But, you know, 12 and a half point spread, I just don't see any
0: way again, anybody knows what's going to happen. Well, I I agree with that. We just don't know enough about KU. And while they, they received all the, you know, all all the, the, the credit in the world for playing the way they did in the opener, which was, you know, you got to take care of business against, uh, you know, against an opponent like Tennessee tech. And they did just that. You still, it's still difficult to gauge how good Kansas is based on that. Now, certainly if they had struggled and Kansas has struggled in openers against FCS programs before, and has even lost to, you know, one or two over the years, then you'd know right away. It's another, it's going to be another terrible season for Kansas. But this this time, you know, they they win so convincingly that um, that you just you just kind of don't know because we haven't seen it from a Kansas program. Right. It's been so long since we've seen good, consistent, you know, Big 12 level football from KU that you don't know what to expect going into a game in which they, you know, going into a Big 12 game, especially against an opponent that's not Oklahoma. So the. So they're taking on West Virginia, a team that they played a year ago at the regular season finale. It was at Lawrence, and it was a six-point game. Um, They played West Virginia tough a year ago, and I'm not sure West Virginia's greatly improved over last year, but I think Kansas has, so maybe there is a glimmer of hope for Kansas in this game.
2: Yeah, I was reading about West Virginia, and uh, they have good, big talented offensive and defensive lines so kansas is gonna hear or learn about that part of its game and it looks like coming up uh they've got the new quarterback from georgia out of the portal jt Daniels, portal.
0: right
2: yeah another portal guy and i did not watch their game against pitt but somebody told me he played pretty well and they've got a freshman running back who had 120 yards and But, of course, KU has the four running backs that are all doing well and look like they will do well. So uh, it's interesting because you're going on the road where KU snapped. They've gotten rid of that bad streak where they always lose road games because they wanted yes. Texas and stuff. But um, an interesting thing is if KU is to win, Uh, A road game, this and the Texas Tech game, according to the media in the poll, would be the ones to win. West Virginia was picked eighth, Tech ninth, Kansas 10th. So, again, you know, it's possible. And uh, we will find out because apparently West Virginia has legitimate power five lines. Right. So when you got a good offensive line and defensive line, you know I would suspect we're going to learn a little bit more about KU there.
0: And KU's still building in those areas. And yeah. They, even though they've improved greatly, I think they're st- they're still building in in those areas. Uh, but one thing that Kansas has that it hasn't always had in the last decade, and that is a a quarterback that that maybe fans can believe in or trust. And Jalen Daniels had a really nice opener against Tennessee Tech, didn't he?
2: Yeah, he only had two incompletions, I think, one intercept when the game was out of reach. But uh, he did well. Uh, like you said, they can they can probably trust that they have a solid to excellent number one quarterback. So uh, no complaints there, I would think, from anybody. And then Jason Bean, as expected, he plays the fourth quarter and showed those wheels racing for a touchdown on on his feet again. So a lot of people are wondering, you know, you got to get that guy on the field as a receiver or something, Jason Bean, because he's so fast. But I think KU's worried, you know, you got to have two quarterbacks. And if something were to happen to Daniels, I think Bean is highly capable. And uh, if you put him in too many plays at running back or receiver or something funky and he gets hurt, you got trouble.
0: Right. Okay. There was some news made before Kansas and Tennessee tech played the opener. And that was a one-year contract extension for head football coach, Lance Leipold. Um, I don't think I was expecting to hear that, but after I heard it, I thought, well, that's, you know, that's a good move i mean that's that's a pretty strong show of faith in in the in the in the football coach that things are going in the right direction and yeah. i i think you know you you're you're on campus every day just about and, and people that follow ku football i think would all agree that they're pretty happy with the direction of the program right now
2: yes and that gets light pulled back to six years counting this year uh and Leipold yesterday talked about it some and said that it was mainly something they talked about, even in the interview process that uh, because he came in so late and didn't have spring ball could, you know, last year was kind of a crap shoot because he didn't have a chance to do much of the stuff coaches like to do spring ball meetings. So I think in Travis Goff's mind, it was like, let's just, if everything goes like we expect, we'll just hike that thing back up to six years. You know, don't worry about it. And Leipold said it was not even negotiations. Goff likes to go to practice and stuff sometimes. So after a practice, he grabbed him and said, uh, we're we're extending you that year. So uh, I think nobody's worried right now about Leipold leaving, but it would, you know, if he does turn KU's program around and being a life being a an old ball coach as people call Lightbold, he might he might want to go uh tackle a power a real powerful football program job. But right now, with six years, he's 58 years old. Uh he's a program builder type guy. KU fans are probably pretty confident that. As of week two in his second year, they've they've made a good hire, and this guy likes KU. He and his wife started this fund for graduate assistance where he forks over some of his money back to KU. So right now, everybody's happy, but as you know, <laughs> they're one blowout loss away from, <laughs> from people wondering what's going on again. But I think as far as Leipold, no complaints from anybody. Uh media likes him. Real good football access for uh for interviews and stuff. So
0: that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. All right, Gary. I, I don't think you're a betting man. I know I'm not a betting man. <laughs> yeah, not really. But, but if if the, let's just say if the if the line today is 12 and a half points, West Virginia's favored, uh which 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 side would you come down on? Uh Well, two touchdowns,
2: let's just assume their 60,000 fans fill the place. Good good atmosphere.
0: Always a good atmosphere at that state. uh,
2: All those things I was saying about how they they don't lose, they don't go 0-2, they like to think of themselves as a real elite program, even though they haven't done it as well in the Big 12. So I would take West Virginia. And give the points but last week I got it wrong I took uh, I thought KU would win by 27 and they won by way more than that
0: yeah 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 listen I, I can see a 30 to 17 type of outcome for West Virginia victory West Virginia that, which would cover uh, the, the, but, yeah but I, I think I like Kansas to to keep it close they 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 did that last year in in Lawrence and I and you're right about I, I can't emphasize enough what kind of good atmosphere there is at Milan Pulsker Stadium I think I'm pronouncing that right in Morgantown in yeah. and and uh, in, in West Virginia always has a, a, a nice home field advantage I just I'm going to ride the Kansas momentum and and say it's going to end up being a maybe a one score loss for the Jayhawks but West Virginia finds a way to pull it out. All right, Gary, great conversation. We'll do it again next week. Thank you. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett, and a salute to our sponsor, First Federal. Their website is ffbkc.com. Tip of the cap to Calis Robinette and Gary Bedore for sharing their college sports insights. Morning Sports Edition was 67 pages today. That's right, 67 pages. It was the NFL Preview edition and you won't find a better run up to the season than in the Morning Sports Edition. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.